Hey everyone, just a heads up that Royal Assassin is ending. We're coming to the close of that book, and we're going to be doing a wrap-up episode along with the epilogue. And we'll be answering some questions if you guys have them. We'll be going over our favorite parts of the book, and we can answer any questions that you have about the series, or particularly about Royal Assassin, or the two books that we've read so far in the series. Looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say and what you guys want to know. And we'll talk to you later. Regal's a hype beast, for sure. Gross, he gets totally the, is. <laughs> gets the latest sneaker drops, you know? Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? I'm Luke. And I'm Emma. This week we're discussing chapter 31, Torture. Cue lightning strike and evil laughter. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good. Thank you. The beginning of this chapter, though, we get we finally get the intro to the story of the piebald prince. So this is the origin stories of the piebald prince. Speaking of the willful princess who rides the piebald stallion around. So this princess wants to ride this stallion that was trained by Slyo the Wit, and she refuses to ride any other horse. And everyone else in the kingdom's like, no, you can't ride this. It was trained by someone with the wit. It, you know, it's evil, blah, blah, blah. She takes him out anyways. And of course, the stallion leads her astray and takes her far away from the other horses after outdistancing them. They stop for a drink of water for a break. And she looks back at the horse and the horse is gone. And in its place is Slyo the Wit himself. And then nine months later, a, a modeled baby, just like Sly himself, appears from her womb. Yes. The piebald prince was born in fear and shame, and that was what he brought into the world with him, because she dies in childbirth. However, the story about this is that the stallion turned into Sly the Wit. Mm -hmm. Sly the Wit then sexually assaults her, and... Then she screams in horror at the vision of her baby that she bears and dies from that, like in fear. Right. I have not read the uh, Piebald Prince short story or novella that Robin Hobb has put out. Nor have I. Uh, I'm just going to put out some conjecture here that this is not the true story and it's just fear mongering for old blood right. and against witted people. And it's more like likely that they had an affair together right and then she just died in childbirth it does it does feel <laughs> like a lot of allegory like she refused anything but the horse that everybody told her not to and the horse led her away from everyone else and then she was ashamed of her child being related to sly it does feel like it's all about her relationship with Sly of the Wit. If I didn't know anything about wit magic, that's how I would read it. Yeah. Also, knowing stuff about wit magic, we know that it's not possible to transform into an animal. 
at least that we are aware of. I guess it could be an ability that you get. Right. But it seems as though that is not a real thing you can do. Yeah, pretty sure it's just not a thing that they do because they always talk about how it isn't something that happens. And all the right. old blood people also say that, like, that's just stories. Right. And all the old blood people think it's awful if animals share spirits with humans after right. the human dies. Yeah. So even if the horse was like possessed by sly i don't know that possesses the right word but you know kind of fits um but even if the horse was sharing spirits with sly i don't think that's i don't know i don't think that would even be accepted by even old blood people so it's just right. i don't know an old legend we'd come back into consciousness uh, with Fitz here after Regal leaves him with the torch and he's just kind of contemplating things, kind of going over what has happened in the world. Why did it come to this? And he's getting a bit hysterical, honestly. It's kind of a downward spiral. Yeah, definitely. He's just asking questions. Was this what she had been trying to tell me without her horse? How much had Regal known about the horses? Had he known the destination? How had Birik escaped detection? Or had he? Might not I meet him in the torturous chamber? All of these different things just kind of spir- spiral down. Like, should I fight back when they come for me? Like, what's going to happen? Should I kill people? No, I'll go with dignity. No, I'll, I'll kill them with my hands, as many as I can get my hands on, and wait for a chance at Regal. Uh, you know, no, I, I am bound by Shrewd's promise, or my promise to Shrewd. No, I'm not, because he's dead. Yeah, it's just back and forth and back and forth, and he has to force himself to get a grip. Forces himself to calm down a little bit, and thinks of Night Eyes. And he finally... What I had mentioned last episode, he finally says, oh, yeah, Night Eyes had said that he had taken them from the castle, both Ketrakin and the Fool, and had guided them to Beric. And so he reaches out to Night Eyes to get that full story, or at least to get more context to that. Right. And in this whole situation, he is very clearly extremely distressed. This is the first stage of kind of the torture that is this chapter and I don't even think this part was on purpose on Regal's end I think Regal knew that it would like hurt him but I don't think Regal understood the like level that this would make Fitz spiral because I don't think Regal has a level of empathy that allows him to understand the fear Fitz would have for his loved ones you know what I mean right so it is just starting off the chapter in a very rough way. So he reaches out to Night Eyes and talks to him a bit and tries to make him recall what has happened that night. Fitz can sense that Night Eyes is struggling because he doesn't think of time the same way. He doesn't keep memories the same way. He's a wolf. He remembers certain, you know, tracks to food, but where he walked yesterday is not going to be in his mind. So he struggles to recall everything that he knows about it. And he says, I took them all to heart of the pack. I wish you were here. I have a porcupine quill in my lip. 
I can't paw it loose. It hurts. Fitz goes with that digression and says, oh, how'd you get that? And try to lead, leads him through those conversations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really interesting to think of Night Eyes in such an animalistic way. I feel like it's really easy reading this story to forget that Night Eyes is a wild wolf or was at one point <laughs> and that he is an animal at the heart of it because he's so human. I guess in my reading, oh, yeah, I can't speak for everyone, but he's a fully realized character. Right. He just feels so human. And I know he's a wolf, but like I think this really highlighted more of his wolfiness. That's also partly because the more time he spends with the with Fitz, the more human he gets just right, based the off the crossover, the, the yeah. bleeding of the two personalities. Right. But it is interesting to see this breakdown of wolves only really think in big events like the day-to-day isn't something they remember and it's interesting because i feel like fitz is similar in some ways yeah i could see that like especially going forward he just remembers the pain he constantly thinks about the pain of things he is haunted by his time in this cell which to be fair who wouldn't be this is torture but I don't think he spends a ton of time thinking about the good days of old (laughs) of like his time at the keep where he was just a boy and when the good times he got to spend with Verity and, you know, it just doesn't feel like that's something he focuses on because it was a neutral time and he seems to also focus more on big events that are usually Usually painful because he's a catalyst and Uh because of who he is. Right. And what he gets into. Yeah, definitely. Fitz tells him, like, oh, yeah, Heart of the Pack or Beric would get that out for you, the quill, if you asked him nicely. You can trust him. He pushed me when I spoke to him, but then he spoke to me. Did he? A slow working through of thought. That night, when I guided them to him, he said to me, bring them here to me not to the dog fox place. Picture me the place you went. And so Fitz from Night Eyes's memories and forcing that picture through gets a picture, a clearer image of what has happened that night. He led the fool and Ketrikin down the road to Ruddy and Sooty with Birik. Mm-hmm. They met on that road and it was just those two horses and him Birik was astride the horse at first. They talked over much and Night Eyes ran away. But we can surmise and we know for sure that since Birik is still here, he stayed. The fool and Ketrikin went on to the Mountain Kingdom with those two horses. Yes. And I do want to point out a really <laughs> funny part of Fitz here saying, uh, try as I might, that was really all he had for me. It was enough that I knew the plans had changed drastically and at the last minute. Odd. I had been willing to lay down my life for Ketrikin, but at the last accounting, I was not sure how I felt about giving up my horse. (laughs) (laughs) Then I recalled I would probably never ride a horse again, save the one that carried me to the hanging tree. Yeah, it's it's kind of a nice moment of levity, especially immediately followed by (laughs) how dark this gets. How dark, yeah. It is interesting just to hear Fitz be like, whoa, actually, 
I mean, my life is one thing, but my horse. And I think it does show that he really values the lives of living creatures more than his own. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Oh, Fitz. Once again, he implores Night Eyes to go speak to Birik, which is important for later. But he kind of says, yeah, you know, Heart of the Pack will help fix the porcupine quill for you if you ask him nicely, because we can trust him. Mm -hmm. And after they break contact, a long time passes, Fitz says. He tries to measure it out in ways that he can with the torch you know, burning out, the guard changing, someone putting food and water through the door, the guard changing again, but he still can't tell the time, really. It's so dark down there. There's literally no indication that they're putting out the food at the same times or, you know, with the same consistency. Right. Because he's getting slowly starved and he's weak and he's dozing in and out. All of a sudden, the the chatter between the guards ceases, and he came like a shadow down the hall, silently, not furtive. He was so unobtrusive, he did not need to worry about being furtive. This was skill as I had never seen it used before. I felt the hairs on the back of my neck hackle when Will stopped outside the door and looked in at me. He did not speak, and I dared not. Even looking at him was giving too much of an opening to myself, yet I feared to look away. The skill shimmered around him like an aura of awareness. I coiled deep inside myself, tighter and tighter, pulling back everything I felt or thought, slamming my walls up as swiftly as I could, but knowing, somehow, that even those walls told him much about me. Even my defenses were a way for this one to read me. Even as my mouth and throat went dry with fear, a question hovered. Where had he been? What had been so important to Regal that he had set will upon it rather than using him to secure the crown? White ship. The answer came to me from deep within me, founded on a connection so deep I could not unearth it, but I did not doubt it. I'm going to stop there real quick because I had that question last episode. I was, I think we were both discussing where yeah. was Will and I'm like, oh, maybe you got sent and learned to trade for it or something. I thought uh-huh. he was over there, but I completely forgot about this passage. Yeah. Do you think he was actually sent to the white ship to, to negotiate? I don't think he was sent to them. I think he was communicating with them. I think... You don't think he was sent? He had been missing from the castle for a long time. Patience had not seen him around. Well, that doesn't... Fitz didn't see him around when he was actively looking for him. That doesn't mean he wasn't there, though. He could have True. been holed up in a room in intense skill sessions for days. It doesn't... But you don't think he would have immediately tried to start working on Fitz afterwards or noticed that Justin and Serene had died and come to fight? Not if things weren't going smoothly with the white ship. Though, I guess the more I think about it, he could have gone to the white ship. But I don't think Regal can skill on his own. I don't think he can hear skill messages. Maybe he can hear skill messages. I just know that he can't skill himself. Right, he like piggybacks off of Will. uh Uh-huh. So I don't know how he would do anything useful. Well... Just like all the other messengers, 
get sent out with like, these are our terms, these are negotiations, this is what we have to learn or whatever. And then you go and have that go between. I guess. Yeah. But there, it just feels like, I don't know, like it would, wouldn't be useful in any way because Regal can't skill unless he can't. I mean, we know he can't himself, but maybe he can hear skill messages because you don't necessarily have to be skill powerful to hear the messages or be influenced by skill. But I don't know. It just right. Very unclear. But I am sure that he probably was doing something with the white ships. I think he went. And I think the skills I had never seen it used before gave me that clue because mm-hmm. I think he went and negotiated and talked to them and spent time with the skill scrolls that Galen had sent them. That could be, yeah. It just makes me, you know, he's he's much stronger and much different in the way he uses skill than Justin and Serene, mm-hmm. as Fitz notes in this last paragraph. I felt an increase in the tension between us, a pressing of the skill against my boundaries. He did not scrabble or pluck at me like Serene and Justin had. More, I could compare it to an engagement of blades where one tests the strength of his opponent's attack. He puts pressure around all of Fitz's defenses, not like kind of trying to claw through them. So I feel like he just uses it completely differently than two of the higher members of the coterie had. So I feel like he's learning from something else. So I feel like he had to go somewhere to learn Right. I don't know if that was the purpose of his. No, I don't think that would be the purpose at all. I just think it was a side effect. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he did something and he probably did go to the white ship. It just feels weird. To leave Regal without someone to piggyback off of. If that makes sense. I mean, Justin and Serene were at the castle. That's true. That's true. (laughs) He had two of them there. (laughs) True enough. So Will is testing Fitz's defenses, and eventually his eyes widened and surprised me with a brief look of uncertainty, but he followed it with a smile as welcoming as a shark's maw. Ah, he sighed out. He seemed pleased. He stepped back from my door, stretched like a lazy cat. They have underestimated you. I shall not make that mistake. Well, I know the advantages one gains when your rival undervalues you. Then he left, neither abruptly nor slowly, but like smoke drifts away in a breeze, here and then gone. Fitz can't relax after this. He tries to. He sits back. He knows he held his own this time, and he closes his eyes and glances over, you know, trying to rest, glances over at the door again and just sees Will's eyes there again. And he's just stressed out so much. Do you think Will was actually there when he saw his eyes? Or do you think Fitz is just so concentrated and so terrified of what could happen that he's hallucinating being watched? Well, I don't know if Will had even left at that point. I think that was really Will And he had been there the whole time watching Fitz freak out because I don't think he missed it away. I don't think he dissolved like mist and was gone. I think he was able to do some slight skilling to Fitz. I think 
Okay, this is going to take some explanation. The way I see skill usage or delivery is that there's different levels. And I think Fitz is really good at closing his mind to the deepest part of influence. And I think like simple tricks, illusions are probably a little bit easier to slip through his defenses because he's more focused on like keeping information inside and making sure nobody can make him say anything he doesn't want to. And I think that would be where he's most focused. I don't think he would even think about protecting his sight or hearing from a skill attack, probably because he hasn't really thought that that is a way to use the skill at all. So you think that Will sent the suggestion to Fitz that he walked away, that Will walked away, and then when he was gone, he was still looking through the door the whole time? Well, he didn't walk away. It says he disappeared like mist. Oh, it says he walked away. It says, then he left, neither abruptly nor slowly, but like smoke drifts away in a breeze. After he was gone, I went back to my slab and sat. So Fitz did watch him leave. So you think that Will, like, made him hallucinate that he left, but Will was still there watching him? Still trying to get through? I don't. I guess I maybe I didn't read it right, but the way I'm reading it is that he, like, literally is like smoke on a breeze and vanishes. It's not, he doesn't, like, step away from the bars. He is gone. I read Poof, it, gone. I read it more like a like a simile because leaving abruptly would be like vanishing like into smoke. And he says he doesn't he leaves, but neither abruptly nor slowly. So he just kind of like leisurely walks out. I guess. I That's, don't know. That was always in my mind. Just arrogant and like, oh, I'm not going to underestimate you anymore because I know what you can do. But I'm also very confident myself. So I'll be back. Kind of I guess, I don't know. I guess just the way I read it was like, all of a sudden he vanished and then boom, he's back. And so that's why I just assumed like he never left. He just made Fitz think that he dissolved out. Mm. I feel like Fitz would be more on his guard if he just poofed into disappearance, you know? Because Fitz says that after he was gone, I went back to my slab and sat. I took a deep breath and sighed it out to still the quivering inside me. I felt I had passed through a trial. So it feels like he's trying to relax after that incident. Like, oh, it's truly over. If he had just disappeared, I feel like Fitz would be like, oh, what's going on? Except if it's skill brought to him in his mind, making him think he disappeared. There's also the whisper of that's normal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it could be. I guess. I don't know. My manipulation is hard to reason with. Right. So I guess if I'm reading it the way you do. Which is way less fun, but probably the right way to read it. <laughs> we can read it whatever way we want. <laughs> We're the true. readers here. <laughs> I guess I still don't think he fully walked away. I think he would, if he is walking, he would have like walked aside and waited. Because, I don't know, I guess that makes the most sense, right? He like comes back and peeks in and sees... Fitz freaking out. Maybe he wasn't watching the whole time, but he just waited a few seconds, counted to like 20 or something, and then looked in and waited for Fitz to see his eyes and then left again quickly. This time, like, really fast. Because that would get in your head, like, oh no, is he still here? Or was that a vision? I don't know. Mm. I, I don't think it was fake that he was there, but 
it could have been, I guess, just all in Fitz's head. I, I lean more towards the paranoia because of how weak he is, how starved, and how bad his paranoia was like the two weeks before <laughs> the event Fair. that happened. Fair. But definitely, I mean, he hasn't really hallucinated before this, so he could definitely be... Right, and he doesn't hallucinate ever again. Not really. It could be... in this chapter. You know, following my my interpretation of this, Will could have walked away and then just sent that skill suggestion that he sees Will in the doorway again. True. To scare him. But either way, he sees the eyes in the, the door window. Right. And Fitz freaks out. He leaps up and goes back to the window, looks out. There's no one there. He can't see anybody. So he goes back to his seat, tries to relax, and he wants to reach out to to quest out with the wit or the skill, but dares not. He wants to keep everything locked inside. Mm -hmm. So there's no way possibly that Will could ever manipulate him at this time. Right. And sitting here thinking about Will is really making the panic worse. He says that he was planning and fearing for the oncoming physical torture, but he hadn't even thought about mental torture. And I think this is such a scary thought, which it would be scary to anyone to think, oh no, now I have to be on my guard 24 seven or else somebody's going to get in my mind and make me do something I don't want to. But it's worse because Fitz has that history with Galen and with being actually like actually having someone in his head yes. and hurting him. It's just, Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I feel very bad for him because this would be very triggering to his already fear of the skill. Yeah, definitely. 100%. He has that prior experience and those hidden scars Mm-hmm. about what can happen and he goes through a list of what would happen and he sees the shape of Regal's plan probably to you know physically torture him maybe he doesn't know at this point maybe it's just Will maybe it's Regal just trying to get a confession but he sees mm-hmm. the plan with Will if Will gets inside of his mind he can force Fitz to confess in front of the Dukes he can name anyone as complicit in this plot Mm-hmm anything at all because he would be able to control Fitz during that whole thing. Fitz doesn't even think about the fact that he could implicate others. He's just thinking about the things that will happen to him, that he'll be a traitor and a coward, that he'll admit to all the ways he killed the king, and then he'll grovel at Regal's feet. That's his big fear. Yeah. Finally, he dozes off. And eventually is woken up by some guards. Door was flung open. Guard thrust a torch into my cell, then cautiously followed it. Two other guards followed. You, on your feet, barked the one with the torch. Pharaoh was in his accent. Fitz follows those guards, and there was quite a few of them around, and he's led to an open, brightly lit chamber that has no furniture except for a comfortable chair in it. It is ringed with guards, 14 of them. Surely that was an ex- excess, even for me. Both doors to the chamber were closed. We waited. They wait for a while, and 
Fitz can tell how weak he has grown from the inactivity and the starvation. He's getting tired just shifting weight on his feet. And he's ta- he talks about how it feels very bright in this room because he's been in this dark, dingy cell that a fully lit room almost hurts his eyes. It's so bright. It's turning into Gollum. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Finally, Regal enters, followed by Will. Will was quietly remonstrating with him. Unnecessary. Another night or so would be all I required. I prefer this, Regal said acidly. Will bowed his head in a silent ascent. Regal was seated, and Will took a position behind his left shoulder. Regal then points out to a man, picks him out, and says, I want nothing broken. You'll do it. You'll start. Right. He has to look presentable. And this starts the fight ring. Yeah. Fitz tries to physically fight back for a little bit. Just a few seconds before Will slams him with the skill as well. As well, so he has this man Bolt beating him up physically, physically, and Will assaulting him mentally. So Fitz was starting-ish to hold his own, or at least minimize damages physically for a little bit. He's right. extremely weakened, so he he wouldn't have been able to last super long. But with this attack, he has to choose between either you know, surviving physical damage or potentially letting Will into his brain. Right. And this is a hard decision to make because he's under duress while making it. He talks about how this period of time feels timeless to him. He doesn't like remembering it and he doesn't really know how long it was going on. Yeah. And right at the beginning, Night Eyes chimes in like, "What? what's happening? What is this? I can feel your fear, that, all that sort of thing is in his tone, and Fitz just has to be like, stay out of it. Mm-hmm. Be silent. Right, because it's the fun. whole purpose is they want him to be witted. He is, but they want proof that he's witted. Mm-hmm. And in the decision, Fitz rationalizes that the body has mechanisms to prevent pain and or to preserve the body. He'll eventually pass out from pain. Or die. Or die, and... That's not something he can say for his mind. There is no natural defense in his mind, which in reading this, I was a little frustrated because we know when he fights, he does get to the point where even Verity couldn't get in his mind or reach him. So you'd think that he could have fought back, but also he's in the middle of getting attacked with two assaults and has never tried to withstand both or had anyone attacking him with the skill while he was fighting. So, and he practiced trying not to block out skill users (laughs) while fighting as well. Right. But he has an extremely morbid thought that that is becoming reality for him. He says dying might be the only victory I could hope for here. So I chose to defend my mind rather than body. And like you said, he he veers away from recalling what happened in that room and how long it lasted. He's basically saying he couldn't really devote any of his thoughts to strategy, so he was swinging wildly while trying to just mentally defend himself. And eventually he just had to resort to trying to protect his abdomen or his head and just try to physically guard, not fight back. Right. And 
this makes him scared because he knows the man fighting him is holding back. This is the version of torture where he's going to live because Regal has ordered he be presentable. Mm hmm. Nothing broken. Striking only to inflict pain and minor damage. I dropped my hands once and met Will's gaze face on. I had the very brief satisfaction of seeing the sweat that streamed down his face. At that moment, Bolt's fist connected solidly with my nose. They stopped the brawl for a little bit, and Fitz's nose is broken, and Regal is very upset. Bolt, I said nothing broken! Regal remonstrated with him angrily. I have to be able to show him intact. Bring me some wine, he added irritably, in an aside to someone else. Not a problem, King Regal, someone assured him. That person bent over me, took a firm grip on the bridge of my nose, and dragged it straight again. That crude setting of it hurt worse than the breaking, and once more I dipped down into unconsciousness. I lingered there, hearing the voices discuss me for some time, before they resolved into words and words into sense. Regal's voice. So what is he supposed to be able to do? Why hasn't he done it yet? I know only what Serene and Justin told me, your majesty. Will's voice was tired. They claimed he was weary from skilling, and Justin was able to force his way into him. Then the bastard fought back in some way. Justin said he believed himself attacked by a great wolf. Serene said she actually saw the marks of claws on Justin, but that they faded shortly afterward. I heard the creak of wood as Regal flung himself back in his chair. Well, make him do it. I wish to see this wit for myself. Or are you not strong enough? Perhaps Justin was the one I should have held in reserve. I am stronger than Justin was, your majesty, Will asserted calmly. But Fitz is aware of my intent. He was not expecting Justin's attack. More quietly, he added, He is stronger far than I was led to believe. Just do it, Regal commanded in disgust. Do it. Do it. <laughs> it's a fan of Nike over here. <laughs> Apparently. Ugh, this is... Regal's a hype beast, for sure. <laughs> Gross, he gets totally the, is. <laughs> gets the latest sneaker drops, you know? <laughs> He gets people to resell them for him, and he takes all the profit from that. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. No, Regal is despicable, and it's hard to think that he gets worse from here, but he does somehow. I don't think he even gets worse. We just see that he has been worse all along, because yeah. Fitz can tell that he enjoys this. Right. He's enjoying... The physical pain, which manifests later in the, what is it they call it, the traitor's court or something like that. Yeah, I can't The remember. fight ring that they have against mm-hmm. the forged ones and against other people. Right. Basically the Colosseum. Yeah, it's just, but I think that like in itself it shows him getting worse. I don't think he's ever like had the opportunity to watch something like this to this extent and have no one be able to do anything about it. I think that level of power has never been granted him before. So now having it is like, Oh, actually this is great. I'm going to do more of this. But I think what I mean is Regal is so 
awful. He knows he doesn't have to do this to get Fitz to do whatever it is. He has Will saying... One more day. That's it. I only need one more day and I'll have whatever you need. And that's not good enough. He wants to beat Fitz up too. And it's so weird because it's not like Fitz has ever done anything to Regal. Yes, he has. (laughs) He He was sullied the farseer name. Yeah. But it's like so weird to watch this person beat a 17 year old to a pulp And feel good about it and feel like, look how strong and powerful I am. When, number one, he's not the one getting his hands dirty because he's too scared of Fitz to get close. And two, is just a horrible... I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't... I already don't like Regal and I don't think he's a good person. But this chapter really cemented in my head that, wow, he's like a real piece of work. Yeah. I think before I could still feel sympathy for him... Which I think in doing this podcast surprised me of like, whoa, like he's a sympathetic character. The way he was raised totally affects how he is as a person. But I think which is true and evident here as well. Definitely. It's just beyond a point where you can feel sympathy for him. Yeah, it's turning more (laughs) into this is a grown man making decisions, knowing full well that they are not okay. Oh, I think he thinks they're okay. No, I think he knows they're bad. I think he just doesn't care. You think he's going to stop him? In my mind, he's. Yes, he thinks that as well. But in my mind, there's a distinction of people think that this is bad, but I know it's fine because I'm in power. And this is okay for me to do because I'm the king and he enjoys it. So he doesn't think it's wrong. Mm, I don't know. I think he knows what he's doing is wrong or he would do it more publicly to Fitz. I think later the line is blurred, but I think he knows what he's doing to Fitz is wrong. Yeah, that's fair. It could be. But, uh, you know, who knows? Regal's a piece of work, that's for sure. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing to note that Will says that he is stronger than Justin. I'm wondering how he compared to Serene, because I thought Serene was the strongest one after August, and that's why she was put in charge of the Coterie. So after Galen died and August kind of went away. But hear me out. Galen was a sexist piece of work. So I am sure Regal follows in his footsteps. Anyone but mother that is a woman. Oh, yeah. Is dirt. So I'm sure they don't even care what Serene's level were. Technically, she was on par with or just under August. So she got the position. But I don't think it matters in comparison, uh, you know yeah, what I, mean? I wasn't I talking know. about Regal's perception of it at all. I was just kind of curious where Will and Serene matched up, if they were more powerful or if Will has been sucking skill power from other people and it got more powerful than Serene even. I just was curious about his level, like I guess. literal level. Yeah. I, oh, I was thinking mentally what he thought. And I'm sure just like Regal and Galen, he is probably pretty sexist and doesn't thinks he's better than her because he's a man so (laughs) i think they're they think they're better than everyone everyone in the coterie is just oh for sure (laughs) but i think there's definitely the underlying because of galen and how strongly he hated women (laughs) there's that underlying level to it and so regal points out to another guard to pick this back up again 
And Fitz has a, has a little disparaging comment made against this next guard, Verde. Or Verde, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I read it as Verde, but that's just because I know that's green in Spanish. Yeah. And so I just keep... because the same. Yeah. Because so. <laughs> that's like the only time, other time I've seen the word in my head is just Verde. Verde devoted some little time to hauling me to my feet so he could knock me down again. I wearied of that repetition long before he did. Which I thought was a another light, light little line of somewhat levity in this right just a really funny image pops into my head of like a cartoonish mustache twirling villain <laughs> picking him up and throwing him down and then just picking him up and throwing him down and yeah that's it over and over and the uh the hero in that scene just kind of sighing and me like oh, again yeah no it's i think trying for levity if it says that the ground did as much damage to him as fists would have and he just can't keep his feet anymore he's physically wearied and in so much pain that he's just falling close to unconsciousness until that pain forces his body to alertness briefly and then he's repeats the cycle usually just before i passed out again he says i became aware of another thing regal's enjoyment he did not want to bind me and cause me pain. He wanted to watch me struggle, to see me attempt to fight back and fail. He watched his guard too, noting, no doubt, which ones turned their eyes away from this sport. He used me to take their measure. I forced myself not to care that he took pleasure from my pain. All that truly mattered was keeping my walls up and keeping Will out of my head. That was the battle I had to win. The fourth time I awoke, I was on the floor of my cell. Eventually, after this repeated beating and this mental assault, he just passes out again and wakes up in his own cell. They are done for the night. Nothing was broken except for his nose. And he goes over everything, but he is in pain. He's bleeding from his mouth from, you know, the loosening of his teeth from the beating he could barely drink his water. He has to soak the bread in the water in order to eat that. It's hard to do anything right now with his body. Right. After a time, he sits up and, and thinks again about his situation. Regal would batter at me physically until I either manifested the wit in an attack his guards could witness, or until I dropped my walls enough that Will could get in my mind and inspire me to confess. I wondered which way he would rather win. I did not doubt he would win. My sole way out of this cell was by dying. Options. I want to mark on that. That's somewhat of a foreshadowing line in there. Right. But also, it's not really foreshadowing because that is his only option <laughs> at yeah, this point. Clearly, <laughs> that is where this is heading. So his two options are try to make them beat him to death before he could lose in his brain. Mm -hmm. Or he could take the poison that he made for Wallace that he still has sewn into the cuff of his shirt. Right. And that would be an extremely painful death, but probably not much more painful than the beating, the torture. Right. So he works on getting that poison loose. 
And while he's thinking about that, a Burek comes to the door. Yeah, well, he hears loud shouting and, and voices and realizes Burek is very drunk, shouting at the guards and trying to get past. And Blade is there as well, trying to hold him back. He shouts down the hall to Fitz. You're going to die, Fitz. Hanged over water and your body burned. Burek's voice. A strange mix of anger and threat and pain. Blade says that he has too much to drink and that he had the boy as his apprentice down there in the stable for years. Everyone's saying he should have known about it, did know about it, and didn't do anything, maybe. And Burek just says, yes, and now I'm out of a job. No more Buck's Crest. Horses are gone. You know, dogs are gone. Hawks are gone. Don't have one horse I'd admit to owning. He does make the comment, Best damn horses I've ever trained. Gone inland now, given over to fools. Yep. Which I think is coded message to he gave the fool and Ketrickin a horse and they've gone inland. All of this is pretty coded, actually, and, and pretty subtle by Birik's measure here. Right. Because Fitz detects a mixture of anger and threat and pain. He's a very good actor here. I'm sure he is drunk. I'm sure he is filled with pain and anger at the situation. But there's a little bit of that threat that you're going to die hanged over water. Like, this is going to happen. We need to find a way to get you out of here. Or at least warning him that that's happening. And then he says the, the thing that you mentioned, that the horses are gone. I wouldn't admit to owning any of these horses anymore, mm-hmm. which I think is an allusion to the ones that he hid. And uh-huh. he's like, don't tell anybody that I'm doing right. this because it's illegal. <laughs> then he uh, creates a distraction for the guards to actually get close to Fitz and drop some coins, pretending to bribe them. Blade and the two guards stay behind to pick up those coins and Birik rushes to Fitz himself and still is talking loudly Playing his part. He says, I just want to get mine in before Regal gets his, that's all. And then he goes to the window and looks at Fitz. Grief and outrage battled in his face. His eyes were webbed red from his drinking, and his breath was strong with it. The fabric of his shirt showed ragged where the buck crest had been torn from it. He glared at me then. As he looked at me, his eyes widened in shock. For a moment, our gaze held, and I thought something of understanding and farewell passed between us. Then he leaned back and spat full in my face. His eyes grow a widened shock, probably from how swollen Fitz is looking from the torture that he just endured. He probably didn't expect Fitz to look that bad. Yeah. Well, also, I want to mention that I don't think Burek is drunk. You don't think so? No, I think he... Uh, Yeah, maybe not. His eyes could be red from crying, because let's be real, who wouldn't be crying with their son probably about to die? Also, he has to wrestle with the fact that he's going to force Fitz into the body of an animal, which is against everything he stands for. So I think there's a lot keeping him up at night to cause red eyes. And I think it'd be easy enough to make it seem like you're drunk especially someone like Burek and all you'd have to do is like drink a lot and spill some on you and it would smell like you've been drinking for a while. It would, 
I don't know. It's true. We we know Birik's character as well. If he has a task to do, if he has someone to protect, mm-hmm. he usually just sets it aside to deal with that before he deals with his own things as well. Right. So that makes sense that he he actually isn't drunk. But he's a good actor. Uh, yeah. He should have been an assassin. He would have maybe done okay. I don't think his morals would have allowed it, but... No, definitely And I don't not. think anyone should be an assassin. <laughs> but in the context of this book, hey, they missed out. So he spits full in Fitz's face here and then has a little monologue and a little yelling at Fitz that is also full of coded little hints here and there. That for my life, which you took from me, all the hours, all the days I spent upon you, better that you laid down and died amongst the beasts before you let this come to pass. They're going to hang you, boy. So right there, better that you died, laid down and died amongst the beasts. You have to die. Go go to night eyes. Basically, Mm -hmm. they are going to hang you better that you died before that happened. Right. Then he says. They'll hang you, then cut you up and burn you down to bones. Nothing left to bury. He's probably afraid the dogs would dig you up again. You'd like that, hey boy? Buried like a bone for some dog to dig up later? Better to just lie down and die right where you are. And again, that's... What we know is the plan. Is that we want you to die, Fitz. Go into Night Eyes. We will bury your body. And then dig you up later. And you will be good again. Right. And this is really interesting because... This is something that they've never talked about, um, what you can do with the wit. <laughs> I don't think Fitz knows that you can actually share fully consciousness with Night Eyes. I know he's done it before. Yeah, but he doesn't know, no. No, but he doesn't understand. The only reason that Birik knows about this is because it's an old tale I think his grandmother had told him mm-hmm. from a long time ago as a warning against the wit or something like that right and so he's like oh this could be possible and we could try it yeah and to be fair this is the best way to try to explain to somebody under code what to do because fitz does have to leave his body behind which is like death although in this case it is death birik then goes to say you're so good with the wit they say why don't you change into a rat and scuttle out of there huh He leaned his forehead against the bars and peered in at me. Almost pensively, he said, Better that than hang, whelp. Change into a beast and run off with your tail between your legs, if you can. I heard you can. They say you can turn into a wolf. Well, unless you can, you're going to hang. Hang by your neck, choking and kicking, his voice trailed off. His dark eyes locked with mine. They were teary with drink. Yeah, not not drink fits. No. Better to lie down and die right there than hang. So he he explicit more explicitly says it. You're so good with the wit, they say, huh? Well, change into a beast and run off with your tail between your legs if you can. Mm-hmm. Please, God, fits. Figure it out. They say you can turn into a wolf. Well, unless. Unless you can change into a wolf, then you're going to hang. So please lie down and die and do that. And he goes on to say, better you die by my, uh, my way than Regal's. 
So again, the code of do it this way so that you don't actually die. Which from Fizz's point of view is completely not a message. Not a message. It's just an angry This is what rant. Burek has always thought of him, and this is real, and he's actually drunk and clearly wishes Fitz would just die. I've ruined his life. Which, come on, Fitz. You think he would make this big deal? He is so scared of being noticed as being witted. Why would he make a big deal of you being witted like this? Why would this be the response? And now, when he already knew about Night Eyes and stuff? Right, right. He's known about this for months weeks he he says after Birik here i never meant to hurt you i'm sorry i took a breath tried to find some words to end some of the torment in his eyes no one should blame you you did the best with me you could he shook his head at me his face contorting with grief and anger lie down and die boy just lie down and die and Blade and Burek walk off. Yeah, he's known about Fitz for so long, and Fitz just isn't getting it. Right. Even right there, Burek's like, oh my god, just lie down and die. Like, do what please, I'm saying. Please, please do what I'm saying. Please. Understand. Burek has to be frustrated. He has to be sad. He has to be angry. He has to be grief-stricken by all of these things. Right. Because of what we said before and, and what his duty is and what his feelings are towards Fitz. And him desperately trying to get through this through Fitz's thick skull is not working. He can tell. Right. Well, part of the problem is, like Night I said in a few few chapters earlier, Fitz doesn't fully trust anyone. He doesn't think anybody actually loves him or cares about him. And so it's impossible for him to see this as some sort of code to help him. Right. Because it's someone saying what he fears that they would say. Yeah. I think if he had been told ahead of time to look out for a message from Burek, then that would have been one thing. And he maybe could have understood that this was not real. But I think because Fitz just assumes everyone secretly hates him, this is real to him this is just how it is and it's so sad because i don't know that he ever forgets the stuff that Bjork says here i think it's always within him uh-huh. and these feelings were there before Bjork even vocalized them as uh-huh. this warning and that kind of feeling just doesn't leave right. and like a wolf this is the part he remembers not the years of Bjork caring for him right And it just makes me so sad. This is the saddest part to me because it just shows how little Fitz thinks of himself and how horrible that must have been for Burek. Because if you think about it, this is the one chance Burek has to try to save Fitz. And if this doesn't work, the last thing he said to his son is... I wish you would die. Right. And even though Burek knows that it's code. It's gotta hurt. It would still be code that hurts Fitz because clearly Fitz did not get the message if he fails. And I think that would stay with him forever. Yeah. And Fitz kind of sits back and just reminisces and remembers all the past. He says, I sat a long time remembering. 
From the beginning he had warned me off the wit. All those times he had warned me, and all those times I had been so sure I knew what I was doing. You did, says Night Eyes. I acknowledged him. I had no spirit to do more than that. Come with me. Come with me, and we will hunt. I can take you far away from all this. In a while, perhaps, I put him off. I did not have the strength to deal with him. And he sits longer, and he thinks more about Beric. He says that encounter with Beric hurt as bad as the beating did. I tried to think of one person in my life that I had not failed, had not disappointed. I could think of no one. It's that kind of thought that really lingers with Fitz. It's his chronic depression. It's his just his attitude towards everyone, even though this is such a dire situation and he's really facing his death that he thinks right now. And he's really going through the worst time in his life Mm -hmm. at this moment. That is the consistent thought he carries with him throughout all of it, all of his childhood, all of his life, that he fails everyone that he talks to that loves him and they couldn't possibly love him back or care for him because he just disappoints them all the time. Part of me wonders if this is residue from what Galen has done to him in his mind. Quite possibly. We know that skilling has effects that stay forever. And while Verity helped, it doesn't mean that part of it didn't take root. Not that Fitz doesn't has such a cushy life that he couldn't possibly be depressed or have any of these feelings. Because obviously, from what we know of his life, it's totally understandable, and especially in this situation. But I just wonder if if his encounter with Galen had never happened, if maybe he wouldn't feel so strongly that he fails everyone and that no one loves him. Yeah, I think so. And and you talking about that brought up another thought to me, actually. Again, I'm going to circle back to a few episodes ago where you were talking about Fitz's addiction to going into dangerous situations and risking mm-hmm. his life. I think that could also be tied back to Galen's skilling into him that you need to die. Right. And rationalizing that because he thinks his life isn't worth as much as other people's. And so he recklessly goes into those situations looking for that high of like, I'm actually doing some worth with my life because I am so worthless Mm -hmm. that I feel like that might be the catalyzing moment in 90% of the trilogy. Yeah. And the decisions that Fitz makes is because Galen trapped him on that tower and got into his mind and told him to kill himself. Right. Yeah. Well, part of this also, why I think this is po- even possible that it has lasted this long, because there is the section where Verity goes through and clears the fog in some sense. We also know that when Chivalry did what he did to Galen to create a fanatic follower that that seemed to stick. And I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have tried to undo it. They said, I remember Verity talking about it. They said they didn't know how to undo it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they ever got the schooling to undo it later. Right. Because Solicity passed away. And if that's the case, I'm sure that Verity is not capable of fully taking out Mm -hmm. the thought from Fitz's head that he should die. 
And even after Verity unfogs Fitz's mind, we do get Fitz's narratives, like his uh, monologues in his head, talking about once in a while he gets that urge again, that similar feeling mm-hmm. that he was back on the tower. So we know that there's a lingering effect. So I do want to point out that there is precedence that I'm pulling this from. I'm not just, you know, out of nowhere. Wouldn't yeah. that be a fun idea? <laughs> um, but it's also just possible that the way his life has unfolded has made him depressed and untrusting of others. I mean, it has to affect you in some way to be an assassin. Oh, 100%. Yeah. That has to like they talk make you about lose that a, little bit. a lot of trust in humanity because yeah. if people are willing to use an assassin who's not willing, really, and I don't know, I just, I'm sure there are other factors that create a stronger hold on this, but I feel like it stemmed originally from Galen and that makes me so sad. And mostly I just wish that Fitz could see through the message that Burek is trying to give him and not feel like Burek hates him. It just, right. that breaks my heart. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of things that Fitz had been through before he knew about Galen even. Right. That were traumatic and and created issues that he could have worked through maybe. Specifically like abandonment right, and... right. You know, some of his father passing away early and having no no parent or adult that knew how to raise a kid around him ever. Right, yeah. And being witted without, you know, any training or acclimating to that situation. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I agree with you with that, that encounter with Galen and, and that indoctrination when he was a young boy really affects him for the future. And so he's thinking about all of these things and, and catching up in his mind and like saying, I disappointed everybody. And he's just looking around his cell that he's spent so much time in. And he notices something that's different, a small little pebble on the ground. He knows that there's no loose pebbles because of all the time he's spent in this prison so far. And so curiosity brings him to it. And he sees that it wasn't a pebble. It was dark and wet and a wad of leaves. A pellet had stung my chin when Birk spat at me, maybe? Cautiously, I held it up to the fickle light that wandered in the barred window. Something white secured the outer leaf. I picked it loose. What had caught my eye was the white end of a porcupine quill, while the black barbed tip had secured the leaf wrapping. Unfolded, the leaf revealed a sticky brown wad. I lifted it to my nose and sniffed it cautiously, a mixture of herbs, but one dominated. I recognized the scent queasily. Carry me. A mountain herb, a powerful painkiller and sedative, sometimes used to mercifully extinguish life. Ketcherkin had used it when she had tried to kill me in the mountains. Come with me, Nighteye says. Not just now. This was Birik's parting gift to me? A merciful end? I thought over what he had said. Better to just lie down and die. This from the man who had taught me the fight wasn't over until you had won it? The contradiction was too sharp. Heart of the pack says you should come with me. Now. Tonight. Lie down, he says. Be a bone for the dogs to dig up later, he says. I could feel the effort Night Eyes was putting into relaying this message. 
I was silent, thinking. He took the quill from my lip, brother. I think we can trust him. Come with me. Now. Tonight. Fitz doesn't understand what's going on, and he says so to Night Eyes. But Night Eyes does know, but he can't communicate that because he doesn't... He's never put it into words before, and he doesn't right. communicate with words usually. Mm-hmm. So he says, lie down and be still. Still yourself and go with me as myself. A long pause as Night Eyes worked something through his head. Eat what he gave you only if you must. Only if you cannot come to me on your own. And so Fitz is sitting there thinking, like, I, I really don't know what he's up to. But like you, I think we can trust Birik. So past all of that, he's thinking about what Birik might mean by this. He's kind of thinking beyond the I disappointed everyone in my life. And like maybe Birik was trying to tell me something because Night Eyes is reaffirming that. Right. And then he gets another idea after he continues to work on the poison packet in his sleeve for Wallace. I managed to force the quill and hold it in there, into his, uh, uh, the leaf-wrapped pellet, into the wad of poison. I looked at the paper packet in my hand. A tiny idea came to me, but I refused to dwell on it. Then he wraps himself in the cloak that Brondi gave him, and falls asleep and goes with night eyes into a dream. Couple things I want to point on right there. One is that the idea that he gets, I believe, happens in the next chapter when he tries to kill Regal with the poison, but gets Will instead. So I think that's what when he's working with the poison pellet still that uh, that he had prepared for Wallace, he gets that idea. And then the second one is he just goes into a dream and doesn't leave his body. There's no description of that, and we know later that. He does not completely separate from his body until a little bit later in the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think in reading this, I get so increasingly frustrated. He's like trying to understand why Burek would give him poison and like, oh, I guess this is a merciful death, but why would he do that? And he's still stuck on this whole idea that Potentially, Burek just hates him and wants him to die, and it would be better for him to die instead of thinking that there has to be something else. It's just frustrating that clearly there was double meaning. You should be going over all the things he said if he spit something at you in secret. Like, there, this is clearly a ruse. Fitz gets there. You know, he says Does it. he, though? Yeah. I don't think he truly gets that this isn't still Burek saying it'd be better to die. Better to just lie down and die. This from the man who had taught me the fight wasn't over until you had won it. The contradiction was too sharp. And then Night Eyes repeats what Birik said. So I think that, yes, Fitz does get there eventually. It takes a long time. But I think he does get there that Birik wanted him to do something. He just doesn't know what it is. I guess. I read that part as him being confused that... Someone would tell him it's not over until it's over, but then also give him an out. And that I think every time I read that, I just get frustrated. It's like, obviously, because he doesn't want you to die, Fitz. But maybe I shouldn't read it that way, I guess. I I think he was confused by it. And that's why it clicked in his mind that something was a little off there. 
And with the reaffirming words from Night Eyes right after that, basically repeating, saying, you know, Heart of the Pack says, you should come with me now tonight. Lie down, he says, be a bone for the dogs to dig up later. He's still confused. He doesn't know what the plan is or how to do what he's saying. But I think with those two thoughts together and right next to each other and Night Eyes chiming in, he's like, okay, he wants me to do something. I just don't know what it is. Right. So I feel like he did get there personally. I feel like it clicked in his mind. At least that's how I read it. But he's, you know, he's starved. He's in a, he's beaten yeah. up. He's yeah, you're right. in I'm a weakened state. Definitely not being fair to Fitz. Of course, it's hard to clearly think through things rationally at this moment. It's like, I mean, it took him I'm, like a chapter and a half to remember that Night Eyes told him that he took the fool and Ketrikin out of the castle. Right, right. No, it is... I am being unfair, I will admit, and it is a lot to ask that someone being tortured <laughs> think rationally and with all of their brain cells firing. But it is still frustrating because I know the answers, and so then I feel right, like right. he should know the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Fitz, just put two and two together. Fitz, haven't you read this book already? Come on. <laughs> you know how it goes. Ugh. Yeah, so. Next chapter, we get the, uh, it's titled Execution. So it's, uh, we're coming up really close to the end. We have two chapters and an epilogue left in this book. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> we get Fitz's great escape coming up here. At the end of this book, th this book, like I mentioned before, is probably my, my favorite of this trilogy. Just because it has such, I think it has great pacing to it, and it has interesting things happening throughout. There's a little bit of action, there's a lot of political intrigue, there's mystery, and then finally it leaves on a fantastic cliffhanger of like, oh, Fitz is still alive. Like this is this spoiler is, alert. <laughs> this is crazy. How did Beric think about this, and what's going to happen next? And yeah, there's all of those what ifs and and things happening. So. Uh, I'm really excited to get through the, the last few chapters here. I'm anxious to get through them because I you just want these to chapters. get through them. Yeah. Yes. The, surprisingly, not the most fun to read, but it's nice to finally get to them. And there's a lot here that I definitely forgot. I'd totally block these chapters out of my mind yeah. completely. They're so important to Fizz's development and his future mindsets yeah it's it's just really rough and i think i don't love that i have to read a whole nother chapter about it <laughs> but there there's another chapter the <laughs> yeah i understand the point of this and the reasoning behind it and it doesn't feel that needless i guess i mean it is needless because it's fiction didn't have to happen at all but at least doesn't feel like it's just for torture's sake. Right, yeah. It's so, not just, you right. know, torture porn or anything right, like that. Right, So it does feel... I I understand it, and I don't feel as frustrated in reading that for that reason, I guess. I just still hate that a character that I like has to go through pain. And I also am surprised at how much I am hating Regal. 
not that I don't hate Regal. Everybody knows you, I hate Regal. Yeah, but. but you also have that admiration, like, ooh, he's a villain. Like, you love villains. We've we've I been do. over this yes, before. Yes, I'm a villain person. And I think there's always that admiration, like, how does he keep getting away with this? Mm-hmm. Like, he's so good at what he does that he's so easy to hate and everything but uh-huh. also he's super handsome and charming when he wants to be uh-huh. we don't see that and then we're just seeing the darker and darker side of him and right. none of that you know none of that manipulative outside face or facade yeah yeah <laughs> no it's definitely one of those things that the more you read the more frustrating it gets like I said, this is an extremely important section in Fitz's life. And I do want to just kind of go over my thoughts on this and get your reaction to it. Sure. This is one of the big reasons why Fitz needs to have these memories. So he, at the end of uh, Assassin's Quest, he puts his memories of pain into Girl on a Dragon. Right. And I've talked about this before. He kind of partially forges himself a little bit by just losing that pain. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that pain is from Molly. And a lot of that pain is for this. Yeah. And some of it from his mother's abandonment as well. All of those things together kind of add up without the the idea is that without that pain and that loss and that opposite feeling life isn't as fulfilling as before you don't feel the love as deeply you can't feel everything to the depth that you should and with this being such a low low and thinking about like oh these no one cares about me everyone's disappointing me and then being saved from it mm-hmm. and being cared for and knowing that Beric and Chade went out of their way to save them that patience and Lacey bandaged and packed his wounds before he got buried and all of that sort of thing all of that emotional impact is gone from him when he puts those emotions away yeah and and that will really really affect him in Tawny Man and affects the reading of this trilogy because he's currently under those effects. He doesn't have his memory back while he's recounting these books because in the old fits, you know, prologues and epilogues, Mm -hmm. he is in between trilogies. Right. It's a, as much as you don't like reading these chapters and I don't like reading these chapters, I still think it's incredibly important to to talk about those emotions mm-hmm. because of those far-reaching decisions and, and far-reaching impacts that these couple, you know, weeks or week with Regal has. Right. I don't know. It's a, It's something that lasts for a long time and fits his mind and... I've always liked reading the end of Tawny Man, uh, the chapter where he and the fool are in. Oh, I don't remember exactly the place, but like that. I guess we'll see it next book where, where they the go grove. back. Yeah, the Grove. I was going to say the Grove, but I didn't know if that was like the actual name. I don't think that's the name of it, but I think that people would know what we're talking about. Yeah, it must be because we both had the same word <laughs> for it. But where Girl on a Dragon gives him back his memories. Or at least gives them to the fool, and the fool gives them back. 
and how Fitz describes everything as just brighter and almost painfully bright. <laughs> like the colors are deep right. and, and vibrant and it's always a good contrast. And I, I feel like I should go and read that chapter immediately after this one. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I don't know. It's. I shy away from saying that pain is necessary to living a full life. I agree that pain is part of life, and I think it does help to balance the feelings, but I don't think it's needed to be tortured in a dungeon for him to understand the highs of happiness. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, no. Um, which either. I don't think is what you're trying to say, no, but I yeah. want to clarify that I don't think that's necessarily something that I wholeheartedly believe in. Um, but I do believe that the growth you get from pain helps in making you a fuller person I guess because then I think you're able to move past the pain whereas if you just gave it all up it you really kind of went through it for nothing yeah. in a sense and I think that's what Robin Hobb is really talking about with right. that that scene with girl and a dragon as well and what I've mentioned that he kind of gets locked in his you know, 18 year old mindset or 20 year old mindset or whatever it is. Right. At that time, he might be 18 now. I don't know. Right. It's yeah, definitely. There are lessons thrown away for the sake of not having to spend time to get over it, which it is hard because time really is the only healer of traumas and time takes forever to pass. So, <laughs> so it is, I understand the, his feeling of wanting to get rid of it all and just do it the easy way, so to speak. But I think part of the time that you take in getting over traumas like this does, like you said, brighten colors and make you more appreciative of the good things that come yeah, because you have 100%. something to compare it against. And so, yeah, I would agree that it does make it easier for him to overlook and makes him more animalish in his senses of measuring things by, you know, the big events, the bad things that happen. Yeah. And I don't know. It's definitely a very interesting thing to write about, and I think it's a big task, and I think Robin Hobb did pretty well, in my opinion. It's one of my favorite things about Robin Hobb's writing, especially this series in particular, that all of these actions and all of the plot that happens and the things that happens to these characters have consequences, mm -hmm. and that they are for the most part, realistic responses and consequences right. to those actions. Yeah. There's not a battle where, you know, someone gets super injured and they're in bed for two weeks and then they are fully strong again after they're healed. And mm -hmm. there, there's always that rehab. There's always that adjustment period. There's always mm -hmm. those lingering effects to things that have gone wrong or even gone well. Right. There's yeah. a change in a character. And I think that's that's a lot of what people are talking about, at least what I'm talking about when I say that she has very well-realized characters. Yeah. No, it definitely does make it feel more real. It makes the characters more real, I think, in that 
their struggles are similar to something that you or I could face in our lives. Maybe not with the magic, but just relate to, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's I wish with the magic, but you know, it would be cool. And I'm not fully convinced magic isn't real, but (laughs) I'll hold on to that bit of fantasy. Good chapter, even though it's very depressing and morbid. But I think it is important, and it is. I think it helps put into perspective who Fitz is and character choices he makes along the way. This chapter and the next chapter, two two biggies. Yep. Thank you so much for listening along to our discussion of this chapter. We really appreciate you tuning in giving your thoughts on things and, you know, joining our discussion. Right. And speaking of, got a very lovely message from Vanessa on Instagram. And they talked about how the fool in the chapter about shrewd dying made them so angry (laughs) (laughs) how he was very annoying and how he was shrieking that Fitz killed him and how it's so that they wonder what he was trying to achieve and I wanted to bring this up because I also struggle with this the fool to me always seems so calm cool and collected and like they have everything going on and just know what to do. I mean, they're planting out the path that they want to take to change the future. And then here we are in this moment of shrewd dying and the fool is not composed at all and blaming Fitz for something, which is crazy because Fitz isn't the one who killed him and Fitz has never said that he would try to do that. This is Fitz has always made it known that he does not want to do that to shrewd so it's it's frustrating to read for me personally because it's like come on why don't you have more faith in Fitz that he would do his best to protect shrewd and that there was like clearly something else going on but i don't know do you think that he was trying to achieve something in doing what he did yeah oh no i think this was emotion yeah i think so too Although I guess it could be argued that maybe it was a plan that if he wouldn't have accused Fitz at the time that he did, then there wouldn't be Regal's ability to have him put in the chamber. It did ultimately save Fitz from immediate death. So maybe it was the plan. Maybe. But the fool, remember, the fool tries to take as little action as possible and he doesn't want to be a prop in his own things. True. So I feel like... Maybe this was just an accident. I feel like it was just emotion. That's fair. And I think... I I didn't find him super annoying. Yes, I I guess I was annoyed at him just for, like, screaming it while Wallace was there just because it's a story element. (laughs) But at the same time, I found it extremely heartbreaking because of the fool's story. I mean, he he doesn't have everything figured out. He presents the face of being calm, cool, and collected, but he's... At the youngest, mid thirties, and he live his kind can live for over eight hundred years. It's basically at a least hobbit. we know. <laughs> yeah, so he he's just a small child still, and one that doesn't have full training that got thrust into this world and 
has made up his mind to go against his the people who were training him and saying, like, I need to oppose these people because I need to put the world on a different path than them and make it better in order for the world to survive. He's doing the best he can. And at the same time, King Shrewd was the first person who was ever nice to him, really. Yeah, in some way, yeah. He he spent some time, besides his family. Right. Uh, then he spent some time in Jamalia, and I think he had an okay time there, but eventually like moved on because he knew he had to, and then was abused all the way up the coast right. to get to Buckkeep. And we know that he was just in awe that this person who bought him mm-hmm. said, you can sleep in my room and that's it. Like you just, you can just sleep. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to do anything else. Right. Like you're just a person, a person. Right. Well, and that's also, why he's such intense loyalty. Yeah. It is also sad though, that someone who let him sleep on the ground is like, Wow, what a great person. Like, that's super sad. (laughs) I mean, he did give him his own chambers and everything, but it was just that first night of like, okay, I do have a safe place now. Right. Which which translates to now when that one person is dying and you beg your best friend and you're the person who's going to save the world to like, hey, don't kill the person that I love. Don't cause him pain. Just leave off. And he's like, nah, I gotta, I gotta do my own stuff here. Yeah. And then he does. And your mentor, or at least your companion for a long time dies. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. You knew it was, could happen in the future, but you didn't know it was going to happen then. And then it does right in front of you when that one person says like, it it won't kill him. It'll be fine. Right. This does kind of lead to the question of, if Shrewd was going to die that night, no matter what, because of the path they were on, because he dies pretty quick once they get into the skill river. Yeah. Is it just like harder for Justin and Serene to stop skill sucking him whenever he's in the skill river or would th- he have died no matter what? I think the plan was to kill him there that night because the coronation yeah, I guess. Like, the feast was happening there, and then the next day they would have confirmed Regal as the new king-in-waiting, yeah, and it would have turned into king. Yeah. But there was a path, like, months ago that could have been taken where Shrewd lives a little bit longer. Yeah. We don't know Sad. what that was, though. Sad. I do want to make one more point. The fool doesn't know what the skill is. True. He knows that there's a magic. He knows kind of what it does, but he doesn't understand anything about it. All he sees is that every time Fitz touches the king, the king gets super weak. And so does Fitz. And then eventually the king dies from that same thing. Mm -hmm. So he learns a little bit more later when in the next book, when they're on the Skill River and they meet Kettle. And then when he gets the silver on his fingers and everything like that. But the fool is pretty clueless as to how all of this works. And all of a sudden Fitz just kills his king. Yeah. So I, I just sympathize with him there. Yes. Yes. He's kind of annoying when he's shrieking out in the middle of, you know, what's trying to be an extraction. Yes. Yes. Please. Yeah, it is. It is super annoying that that happens. However, I totally sympathize that's fair. Without now I feel bad because every time I read it, I roll my eyes, but. 
Anyway, thank you so much, Vanessa. It is, it's an interesting character moment for the fool. It is the like most human I think he ever is. When in not front of just, this. <laughs> yeah, as yeah. of yet, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there are more right moments later, later for sure. But, but, but as I of think... now, yeah, it's the most raw emotion that we see out of him uh-huh. for sure. And even I think in the future, there's always like a little bit of a mask on. I don't think he ever is fully emotional ever yeah. again. I could see that, yeah. I don't know. If you want to join our discussion in the future, be sure to reach out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at isfitshappy, or our email at isfitshappy at gmail.com. You can also find us on Reddit under isfitshappy. Isfitshappy everywhere. (laughs) And speaking of, no, he's not. Yes. No, no, no. I do not. I do not believe he is. Happy Something this. makes me think that he's not quite in a good place. Also, quick note. If you do send us an email and you're, you've been holding back from doing so in the past because you're worried we will talk about it online and you are a private person, feel free to send that email and just let us know. Please don't talk about this on the podcast and we will never be offended to just talk to you offline. Yeah, definitely. It is 100% okay to ask us not to talk about you and we will respect those wishes. Yeah, we're not we're not here just blasting everybody that we <laughs> we get comments from. Right. Well, again, thank you so much yeah. and uh hope you join us next week. We love hearing from you guys. 